I'll be honest with you, there have been times when certainly Lloyd was a teenager and I've already said I'm very, very grateful for both of them and where they are now, but he was driving me crazy. I can remember sitting down one day and I've written 20 odd books on this stuff, Graham, as you said, and rereading everything I'd ever written on parenting and none of it helped a jot and I'm just going crazy. And But do you know what? When I share things like that publicly, I sense a sigh of relief go through an audience because you know what they're saying to themselves? They're saying, me too. And a lot of us can find answers. We want to know we're not alone. You are not alone. Well, isn't that a welcome statement for the parents listening in today? You are not alone. Parents all over this country, all over the world, are experiencing similar struggles to those you might be facing right now. And as our guests give us their insights and tips today, we really want you to know that you don't have to feel isolated. I'm Alison Schnell, and your host is Focus on the Family Africa's CEO, Graham Schnell. Graham, Focus understands that parents don't always know how to get it all right and often feel as though they're grasping at straws, desperate for advice on how to get their kids to comply. But I think today's program is going to be a great help in this regard. Yeah, definitely, Alison, because we really are trying to emphasize that we don't necessarily need to get it all right. There are no perfect parents. We are human, and God knew that we'd make mistakes and get things wrong in our parenting. But he also offers to be our guide and comfort in those times when perhaps our kids have completely rocked our world. And as we heard in the clip, the words of Rob Parsons, you are not alone. You mentioned it, Alison. We or you are not the only parents going through stuff with our kids. And Focus on the Family is here to remind you of that and also to hopefully blow wind in your sails on your parenting journey. Absolutely. And we hope to do that today as we listen to an interview you had with Rob Parsons and Catherine Hill when they were last visiting South Africa and presenting events around the country. You were able to hone in on the teen years and really glean great insights in how parents can approach those sometimes roller coaster years of their child's life. Well, let's go now to that interview with Rob and Catherine. One of our goals as a ministry working to help strengthen families is to be real and authentic. We're not here to stand on a pedestal and proclaim that we have perfect families because there are no perfect families. Parenting is a messy job and you don't get everything right and your kids don't often turn out the way you envisioned, but that's okay. And when parents hear that, they realize that they're not alone. And welcome to Focus on the Family. I'm Graham Schnell. And today we have two guests that have really, I think, led the way in being real and authentic and helping parents know that they're not alone. Catherine Hill is the UK Director of Care for the Family, which is a charity which aims to strengthen family life and help families in difficulty. So uh, a, an organization that's really like a sister organization to Focus. She's the author of several books, including Left to Their Own Devices, Confident Parenting in a World of Screens. Catherine's married to Richard and they have four grown-up kids. And then Rob Parsons is an international speaker and best-selling author. He's the founder and chairman of Care for the Family, which he started over 30 years ago. He's written over a dozen books, over 20 books in fact, many of them bestsellers. 
But one of my favorites is a book he co-wrote with his son when his son Lloyd was a teenager. And it's called What Every Kid Wished Their Parents Knew and Vice Versa. Both Rob and Catherine have been traveling to South Africa for years to essentially partner with Focus on the Family and helping families thrive here in this nation, which still blows me away that you would continue to come year after year and invest in family life. Welcome to Focus on the Family. Thanks, Greg. Lovely to be with you. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant to be with you. Well, Rob, I want to start with you. I I hinted at the book that you wrote with your son, uh, What Every Kid Wished Their Parents Knew and Vice Versa. And I know that there's a lot of just comedy in that book, um, and it's filled with some jewels. But but what are some of the things, when you think of that title, uh, maybe unspoken, maybe in the book or not, um, that kids really do wish that their parents knew about parenting? Well, the book has a fascinating uh, beginning, really. And if you have more than one child, you tend to get a compliant one and a testing one, and Lord was our testing one. Yeah. And when he was about 17, he said, Dad, could we write a book together? I said, son, you've never read a book. And I said, what do you want to write a book on anyway? He said, I want to write a book on silly things the parents say to kids. I said, well, like what? He said, well, like this. Would you like a smack? Or don't come around to me if you break your leg and stuff like that. And uh, and we wrote this book together. But, you know, as we wrote it, um, there were some pretty serious things in there. Mm. He began to share with me how he, he felt sometimes about being the testing one that I was often on his back and not so much on Katie, his sister's back, and how he was always the one getting in trouble. But actually, he said to me, Dad, you know, Katie's a little sneak. She'd sometimes shove some of her trouble onto me. I once heard him say to a friend, if your sister hits you, never hit her straight back. They always catch the second one. (laughs) But that testing child has lots of of good, too. And and one of the things we talk about in, in the book is the principle of catching them doing something right. You know, the testing child may drive you crazy. Their their bedroom may be a mess. They don't get their homework on time. But sometimes they've got incredible hearts. They're the first one to use their pocket money to buy a copy of Big Issue from a homeless person or or they'll help a friend. And, And sometimes we have to just take a second look and say, when you did that, son, when you did that, darling, I was really proud of you. Catch them doing something right. None of us can survive if, if all we hear are negative comments. Mm. Rob, you've uh, been a parent for many years and now a grandparent. Uh, if I had to ask you your ultimate goal as a parent, uh, and maybe you didn't know it at the time or in the early days, mm. but when you look back uh, and now speaking to parents, what would you say is your ultimate goal as a parent? Well, I, I suppose that they're really uh, a couple. I mean, I have a, a Christian faith is what I what I believe, and, and I have prayed since my kids were practically in the womb that they would love uh, the Lord and love him and follow him. And I thank God for what he's done in their their life. Um, But I I know that there are no guarantees in parenthood, particularly in that regard. And the incredible thing, Graham, is you can get incredible parents and their kids go off the rails sometimes. And even more annoying, you can get terrible parents and their kids do just (laughs) fine. So that would be, that was something very special to me that my kids and now my grandkids eventually uh, follow the Lord. But listen, there aren't any guarantees. I know there's that lovely verse in the book of Proverbs, bring up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. But it's not a guarantee. It's a general principle. Even God has trouble uh, with his children. Uh, And then I suppose, Graham, I think parents will ultimately judge by a very simple test that when 
our kids are grown, they will look back and say, you know what, they did drive me crazy. Mum and Dad wouldn't let me do this, or we used to row over that or fight over that. But you know what? They were always there for me. And I want my kids to know I am always there for them. And I've said to them, um, I want you to live like this and do this, and, and I want faith to be important in your life. But whatever you do, you can always come home. Mm. Whatever you do. And in fact, in this little book, we talk about the power of the prodigal son, Lloyd and I. Those would be pretty high on my, my agenda. How do you think parents can get over blaming themselves for their children's bad decisions? I mean, you, you referenced oh. that idea of them being able to come back. But yeah. I think so often parents, they do. They, they carry some guilt over their children's bad decisions. Yeah. I, I mean, so many parents carry this incredible weight of guilt. Where did we go wrong? And you know, Graham, uh, it could be looking back from different perspectives. So some will say, oh, if only we'd had daily devotions with our kids. And, and somebody else say, if only we hadn't had those daily devotions, we probably drove our kids away. We drove them crazy with the stuff, you know. All those if-onlys. But most of us as parents have, have given it our best shot. That doesn't mean we haven't made mistakes. If we could rewind and do it all again, we, we'd probably make uh, different mistakes. But I think ultimately we want our children to know that they are loved, that they are loved anyway. Uh, you know, however you interpret the creation story, Adam and Eve had the perfect father and the perfect environment. Don't get any better than that, Graham. And even they went away, their father didn't want them to go. And the story of the Bible is the story of adult children who sometimes make choices themselves and sometimes bad choices and sometimes we just have to lay down the guilt and that's why for me faith is so very important because I can pray I know that I'm not a bright enough father a good enough father a consistent enough father if they just look at me my my, my kids sometimes won't have a very good example but I can lay them at the foot of the cross I can bring them to God and I am so grateful for that mm. I, I introduced you by saying I think you've been incredibly real and authentic and you know sometimes families can look good on the outside and yet be very dysfunctional on the inside uh, what do you think about that and how do we maybe challenge that culture of putting up a, a mask it is understandable that we we want people to think well of us I think that's understandable mm. and we want people to feel well of our children and this is probably more Catherine's domain uh, than mine um, but we, we live in a world where increasingly, I think, by the use of uh, social media, our family lives are on view for everybody to see, particularly the good parts of it. But the honest truth is, behind every door, there are disappointments and pains and heartache. And I think if we can find a few people that we can be open and honest with, um, if our teenagers are going through a, a rough time, that we can turn to others who, who walk that path. I'll be honest with you, there have been times when certainly Lloyd was a teenager and I've already said I'm very, very grateful for both of them and where they are now, but he was driving me crazy. I can remember sitting down one day, and I've written 20-odd books on this stuff, Graham, as you said, and rereading everything I'd ever written on parenting, and none of it helped a jot, and I'm just going crazy. And, uh, but do you know what? When I share things like that publicly, I sense a sigh of relief go through an audience because you know what they're saying to themselves? They're saying, me too. And a lot of us can find answers. We want to know we're not alone. 
I'm not the worst mother or father on the face of the earth. Others have walked this journey and come through it. And Gwen, there's a, one of your listeners right now, and she's got a teenage son or daughter, and they're really giving her a hard time. They're, they're, they're not getting their college working on time. They're coming in late at night. Everything's going wrong. They've turned their back on everything those parents believe. And that mum or dad is feeling very, very isolated. But I want to say to her or to that father, you are not alone. And certainly Dan and I have been through tough times. Do you know what? When it comes to their own children, there are no experts. Not the people who write the books or run the seminars. Just people trying to get their own kids through as best they can. And I think that vulnerability is a very, very powerful tool. The Bible says when we're weak, we're strong. I've just appreciated, I think, even a transition in focus where we're becoming more vulnerable and just mm. acknowledging the fact that it's not about here are the 10 steps to becoming a perfect parent mm. like us mm. um, because there really are, are no perfect parents. Mm. And actually, we just want to say it's messy. Life mm. is messy mm. and it's not always easy. There are some principles that can help, uh, but we want to just put an arm around you and say, how can we be there for you? Uh, and that's what we all need. I think that's what a generation of, mm. of young parents are, are looking for. They need that authenticity yeah. to say, actually, it isn't always easy. In fact, it's often not that easy. Yeah, and you know, Graham, I think if our kids are doing well at the moment, uh, that's fine, mm. but we ought not to become proud or just boastful because none of us knows what's down the road for any of us in any of our families. And I think that degree of humility and even vulnerability is a, is a good thing. Yeah. Well, it is a different world that we live in. And I think part of the challenges that many parents face is that that of the fact that it's a different world and our kids are facing struggles with social media and the world of screens that we didn't have when we were kids growing up. And Catherine, you've written this book that's called Left to Their Own Devices, Confident Parenting in a World of Screens which I think is phenomenal to help us as parents that didn't have that as kids. Um, and so thank you for taking the time to, to write and cover those some of those challenges. Uh, what would you say are some of the important things, barriers or boundaries that you can put in place when the kids are young, before they're teenagers, when it comes to screens and devices? I wrote the book because so many parents were coming to us and asking for help in this area. And this one mum said, it just gets harder and harder. I wish the iPhone had never been invented. Um, but it has and it's here to stay. And we kind of want to acknowledge there's huge advantages of the digital age, but also, as many parents realise, many, many dangers. But the good news is parents are best placed to help navigate through those areas, particularly um, in those early years. It's never too late, but certainly the earlier we can get these things in place, uh, the better. And the younger our kids are, the easier it is to put those things in place. But even in the teenage years, there's still a lot that we can do. And a lot of it comes down to basic parenting, the, mm. the kind of issues that um, help us through all the different issues that our children are going to face. So it's putting those clear boundaries in place. It's doing mm. that in a context of love and relationship, um, choosing our battles. What are the things that are really important yeah. in this area? Mm. Um, there's a lot more detail that we can go into, but just the general principles are the ones to, yeah. to focus on and to hang on to. It's good to know, as you said, that parents are best placed to be influencers in this regard. And I think um, 
um, that gives parents some confidence, uh, which is what you're aiming at. Uh, but there is also a need for parents to to gain insight into what this world of screens looks like. And I think there's a lot of fear around, well, I just don't understand it, and so I'm just not even gonna go there. But you must, uh, because as you said, the iPhone is here to stay, and as parents, we've, we've gotta actually understand at least enough to be able to protect. And protect is, is a strong word, but it, I think, is a correct word in many senses. We're protecting them from real dangers, but we're also protecting them just from influences and, and maybe even just uh, their own emotional state uh, as they spend more and more time on these screens. So maybe cover some of those different aspects of, of the screen time that we can limit and, and coach them on as they grow. Yes, so when we did a survey at Care for the Family in the UK, um, top of the list for things that parents were worried about was time on Mm. screens. So just the sheer amount of time that our children were spending glued to a screen. And not just the fact that that was causing arguments in the home. So parents would say, come off now, come, your food's on the table. One more minute, two more minutes, three more minutes. And in a way, it's no surprise because a lot of them will be on games and psychologists are employed to design these games so that our children always want to go on to the next level to keep on them. That's always going to be more attractive than a now cold plate of pasta or whatever. And then also the issue of addiction. So when is it that you slip from teenage use, which is considerable, through to something that actually is disrupting um, their lives. So all those issues to do with time. And then the other thing I think that that parents are rightly concerned about would be three different areas. Firstly, contact. Who is it that they're Mm. speaking to? So maybe it's just through gaming, but they're speaking to people all around the world and also people maybe in the locality aged 15, they're called Charlie, and we know it could be someone completely different. So there's that, the contact, the sort of grooming. And then the second bit is the conduct, so how they behave online. There's the issue of bullying. Mm. So in our day, the school bully generally stayed in the school playground at the end of the day. But today's child, the bully, through the smartphone, in their pocket, follows them home um, through those abusive messages as they eat their supper, as they walk down the garden path you know, to, their, to their house, as they um, do their homework, and as that phone just pings under the duvet at night. And it's 24-7 for our kids. It, it's, it's a tough world. And then the selfie culture. So this whole pressure to post these amazing filtered images that they see their friends posting and a gap developing between the reality of their life as they look in the mirror at home and what they see and what they see online. And the, the mental health stats are really concerning sure. um, in that area. And then thirdly, I think um, just the content, what is it that they're looking at? So the availability of pornography um, and then there's violence and other inappropriate content. So parents rightly concerned about those things. And what can we do? What can we do? Uh, So you covered this time and then there's these three contact, content and conduct. Uh, And I can think of as you're speaking about those things, oh, these are some things we could do. But guide us through some of those ways that we can protect our kids in in those areas. So the good news is as parents, we are the biggest influence on our children's lives. There's librarys of research that say that. So we can really be confident. Um, They might not appear that they want to listen to us, but they really do. 
Um, so I think the first is to be intentional about putting some boundaries in place in the home about where and when technology might be used. Yeah. Uh, in the real world, we keep our kids safe by putting sharp knives out of reach and the bleach in the cupboard. Yeah. So in the same way, we can keep them safe and we can use technology to help us. So um, we put secure passwords, we teach them privacy settings, uh, we teach them about not putting um so individual information about where they live and other things online. Um, we have parental filters. So there's technology can help us with time yeah. on screens. So all of that is kind of in the bag. Some real specifics, things like, I would say, if possible, delay buying them a smartphone for as long <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Um, they don't actually have to have one that's all singing or dancing straight off. Yeah. Um, you don't have to buy them a data package with 24-7 unlimited data. Even if all their friends have them, apparently, they won't. <laughs> yeah. um, you can, I think, one really practical thing that parents, um, I think, find is probably one of the most effective things is not letting them have their phone in the bedroom at yeah, night. Absolutely. I think, that's, I think that is an, an incredible takeaway. And I hope people listening will say, actually, that's a change I can make today. Well, what you can do, you can buy these big chargers, multi-charger, multi multi-user chargers, and then everyone charges yeah. their phone downstairs. And I had a friend, and she has a rule that when the kids come around for a sleepover, everyone has to put their phones in a little basket. Yeah. This didn't go down very well, <laughs> um, but she had them all charging downstairs at night. And she went downstairs at two in the morning to get a glass of water she said these phones were going crazy. All these messages were coming in. Wow. And she said, just think, they'd have been by their heads on their pillows all yeah, night long. Yeah. So that's a really practical thing. And what I like about that is what you're saying is that all the phones are there. So parents can lead by example in that way. And I think that's one of the other things is that we're role models in the yeah. way that we use technology. Uh, so if the first thing we do when we come in is check our emails, if when we're collecting them from school we're on our phones, they'll, they'll notice that. Yeah. Um, we often say, you know, we think our kids aren't listening to us, but the truth is they don't miss a thing. Yeah. And yeah. I'll pick that yeah. up. But I think maybe the most practical thing parents can do is think about all the kind of boundaries they might put in place but put it together in what we call a family media agreement mm. and that sounds a bit grand but all it means is that you get all your family around the table little ones teenagers even the most grumpy teenager i think will join in if they think they're going to be listened to if they've got a voice and you just talk about what your ground rules are for use of technology in the home. Mm. And you can make it a fun thing, get some snacks, some drinks, um, make it a, a sort of fun thing to do. And some families write it down and stick it up in the kitchen, but for others, it's just thinking and talking it through. And mm. they often have three columns. So yes, you can, uh, ask us first, don't even think about it. Yeah. And doing it according to age. So what's appropriate for a 10 year old is probably inappropriate for a 16 year old so you need to have a, a scale but families have just found that such a great thing to do so they're all on the same page and parents signing up for it as well yeah well i was just going to say i think there should be columns for the parents so definitely that's really where the kids can feel like they've got a voice because yes. potentially they've seen mom and dad on their phones and not responding to their questions they can say well we want you to have no phones at the dinner table too so that's an excellent thing i think that helps not only protect, but I think will build family life as well. But I think also the bigger goal in all this is the fact we can have 
every single rule in place in the home. But our kids are going to be in another person's home. Mm. They're going to be in, in maybe at school and someone has a phone without protections on it. And so our goal as parents is to put wisdom in their lives so that they can make good choices themselves when we're not there at their shoulder, when they're on public Wi-Fi, when those protections aren't in yeah, place yeah. and you know the book of proverbs has so much to say about wisdom and there's a lovely verse and it says um uh, wisdom will protect you um she's a garland for your mm. neck you know love her and she will watch over you mm. um get wisdom and and that's what we want we want to be putting values and wisdom in our kids lives so yeah. that ultimately they can deal with these things themselves i so appreciated what rob parsons and katherine hill had to say today I felt as though Rob was like a wise father offering gentle wisdom and guidance to parents who may feel they've blown it or they'll never get it right. And then Catherine gave practical and manageable tools to implement with our kids in order to keep them safe and wise in an ever-changing world. That really was pure gold. Wow, I am just so grateful for these two friends of the ministry. Now, as you heard, Rob wrote a book with his son, Lloyd, and it's called What Every Kid Wished Their Parents Knew. This is a warm and witty guide to parent-child communication with cartoon illustrations. (laughs) Catherine has written a book for parents who may be struggling in this digital age and it's called Left to Their Own Devices, where she explores the impact of the digital world on teenagers and younger children, giving practical advice on screen time, social media, and consumer culture, as well as how to tackle some of the more serious issues, such as cyberbullying, grooming, and pornography. You can find these two brilliant titles online at safamily.co.za, or when you call us on 031-716-3300. I want to thank you for joining us for today's Focus on the Family. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time, when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ.